When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Uh, live from Studio A of our CHG offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I was going to try to be all cute and be like, it's an instant reaction to Chris Gretz being announced as the general manager, but I'll do it that way. Uh, we have the full <laughs> CHGO White Sox crew with us. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow the show at CHGO underscore White Sox. And alongside me, Vinny Duber, our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Eknerwall23. You feeling better, Hollywood? Not really. Okay. All right. Um, let's just get into, uh, you know, the important stuff. Chris Getz was announced today as White Sox Senior Vice President and General Manager. He will be Mr. Baseball for the White Sox. And two major things happened. Jerry Reinsdorf held a beat writers only session. Vinny was there, as you could tell, um, and Chris Getz had a press conference being introduced as general manager. We'll have audio of Jerry, the full 25 minutes that Vinny was a part of, and then Chris Getz sound, and we'll have our reactions and thoughts on the move. Vinny, what was it like talking to Jerry Reinsdorf? Uh, rare. Uh, I, this is my sixth year covering this team on a full-time beat basis, and this is the first time uh, that I have ever spoken to Jerry Reinsdorf about this baseball, his baseball team on an on-the-record session, right? So, uh, obviously, you see him in the hallway sometimes. You share an elevator with him, and he'll make a comment or whatever, like anyone will after a game. Um, but the only time that ever, he's ever done a press session that I've been a part of since covering this team was when Hawk Harrelson got into the Hall of Fame, when Harold Baines got into the Hall of Fame, uh, and then uh, I wasn't there at the winter meetings last year, but this past winter meetings when they won the Community Service Award, when the White Sox won the Community Service Award. So none of that, if you'll notice, is about the day-to-day operations or even the season-to-season operations of the baseball team of which he owns. So uh, this was, you say, what was it like to talk to him? It was not only unique, it was a first for me individually. And I think it's just really unique to have this audio, to be able to share this with you. So this is what it's like to be a part of the Beat Writers Only session talking to Jerry Reinsdorf. First, he will give a statement about the shooting that happened last Friday at Guaranteed Great Field um, and some information that he was allowed to say, apparently, uh, from interim police commissioner. Uh, And then we have the statement on Chris Getz and then the back and forth with the Beat Writers. Here is Jerry Reinsdorf. The two things I want to cover first. One is this office is not normally this clean. <laughs> Between Reifert and my assistant, they decided to clean it up. The, the other thing is the gun story. Uh, I spoke to Superintendent uh, uh, Wally last night, 
and he authorized me to say that the, regardless of what anybody has said up till now, they have not ruled out that the shots came from outside the ballpark. Uh, and and you, you, know, you can call and contact him and he'll verify that. Um, they're, they're still investigating. Uh, I don't want to get into specific facts while they're investigating, but we've really done a deep dive into this. And I don't see any way in the world that the shots could have come from inside the ballpark. But let's let the police continue with their investigation. Um, at this point, all the superintendent is prepared to say is that they've not ruled out that they came from outside the ballpark. Okay. You have any questions about that? Um, yeah, you would. Of course. I'll, I'll ask you later. Um, I, I don't want to ask anything about the police investigation. If anyone else does, you know, stuff. Oh, okay. Then let's talk about Chris. All right. Uh, can you? Can you? No, I'm going to. Oh, you're going to have a statement. I'll have a statement. It's fine. We didn't talk about that. Okay. Then you can ask your question about Chris. I just want to go through what the process was. Um, lo lo long before I even thought that I'd be making a change, I was very well aware of, the, of what Chris was doing in the minor leagues. Because I told a lot of people, for the first time ever since I've been here, we were teaching baseball in the minor leagues the way I wanted it to be taught. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been watching baseball, Major League Baseball since 1946, and I'm absolutely convinced that more games are lost than are won. And I think you guys have been watching long enough to know that that's true. You, know, you don't mind when somebody beats you, but you hate it when you get beat. And uh, going back, all the way back to, uh, to Roland and Al Goldis, I wanted baseball taught in the minor leagues a certain way, where people understood what they were doing, they understood you know, what's the right thing to do in a certain situation. And nobody ever did it right until Chris came along. And, and this I observed, you know, a couple of years ago. I was thrilled with it. Okay, so that's just, you know, in, in the background. Then, when I, had, when I finally came to grips with the idea that maybe I had to make a change, I still didn't know that I had to make a change. So I started, I started talking to everybody in the baseball department, uh, almost everybody uh, in the baseball department, uh, just wanting to know what they were observing, what, 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 you know, what do you think ought to be changed? What, what's good, what's bad? Uh, and Chris was one of the people that I talked to. I talked to him at great length. I talked to a number of other people in the baseball department. Okay, so that, then I started getting convinced that I had to make a change, and a change killed me because it, it wouldn't have been any harder for me to fire my son Michael than it was to fire Kenny because Kenny was my son, is still my son. And one of the last things his father said to Kenny when he when he was on his deathbed was, "Well, you have a second father." So th th this was this really killed me to do it, but it, it became obvious that it had, you know that, that it had to be done. So when, when I came to the conclusion that we had to make a change, I started thinking about who's out there. You know, you don't, you don't you don't make a change unless you know that you're going to be able to do something that you're going to improve. So I pretty much know who all the potential candidates who are out there. And there's, and there's some good guys out there. There's no question. There's some good guys who can be general managers and have been general managers that are going to be general managers maybe even this, this next year. And so my, 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 my first feeling was, okay, 
I'll, I'll, I'll interview an internal candidate, and then, I'll, I'll, then I'm going to ask permission to talk to all of these uh, other guys. But the, 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 that moved me to the thought that what is it that I owe to fans? And I think what I, one of the things that I owe to fans is to get better as fast as we can possibly get better. The speed is of the essence. I, I don't want this to be a long-term proposition. And in the meantime, I don't know how many conversations I had with Chris, and it, 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 it became clear to me that he would be one of the major candidates along with these outside candidates. And then when I started thinking about the speed that I owe the fans, I realized that if you bring in somebody from the outside, it's going to take him a year. He's going to have to evaluate everybody in the organization. I, I could bring Branch Rickey in if he was available, uh, and, and he'd have to evaluate everybody. So you'll you'll lose you'll lose a year. And, and here I had somebody inside who was very very competitive, and, and it might even have been the guy that I would select if I had to talk to all these other guys. And so the thought you know so I came then to the conclusion that if I've got a guy inside who can do the job, why not? Why not do it inside and save a year? And that's that's basically how I got to Chris. Now go ahead and ask me whatever you want to ask me, and I'll, and I'll answer whatever I feel like. Do you uh, plan on hiring a uh, baseball, a former baseball executive to work with Chris? And you and Chris collaborate on uh, that type of uh, hiring, if indeed it is? That would be Chris's call. I'm, I'm not planning on bringing anybody in. If Chris decides he wants to bring somebody in, that's his call. As you thought about the process, did you ever think about, I mean, maybe there was some value in talking outside people just to get a fresh perspective from the outside on the organization? Oh, I've talked to some people outside, not as candidates, but I've talked to some people outside about what they thought of our organization. And that was part of one of the reasons why we made a change. Jerry, why uh, August 22nd? Why that date in particular for Rick and Kenny? And, and how? What, what was the feeling on why that change had to happen? You, you said it in the press release, but now that we're talking to you, what was the feeling on why that had well, to happen? Well, first of all, I wanted to give Chris as much time to get started. I mean, we, we've got, you know, end of season is going to come up. Free agency is going to become an issue. We've got the general managers' meetings, we've got the winter meetings. I wanted to give him as much time as possible. And the, uh, the second reason was I wanted to give Rick Hahn as much time as possible to get on somebody else's radar r rather, than, rather than wait till the end of the year. But, but the number one reason was why not give Chris as much time as possible? How would you describe this 2023 season? 2023 season was my 43rd season in baseball. It was absolutely the worst season I've ever been through. It was a nightmare. It's still a nightmare. It's embarrassing. It's disgusting. All the bad words you can think of is the way I feel about the 2023 season. Absolutely, it was just, just awful. Why do you think it went this way? Well, it's hard to say, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but in the beginning of the year, we had a lot of injuries. We, we had a lot of injuries. And, and we also, you know, we were, if you go back game by game, we were one hit away from maybe winning another dozen games. Uh, so it wasn't that, we, we really, it wasn't that bad, but somewhere along the way, it just spiraled out of control. Uh, some, of it was, some of it was the, uh, uh, the clubhouse. And I, I think that we've corrected that. Um, and so, some of it, was, some of it was, was bad luck. Some of it was just people not playing up to, to their potential. But it, it, it was a nightmare. This, this season was absolutely 
a nightmare. I know the uh, manager doesn't deserve as much credit as he gets when they're winning or as much blame when they're losing. But with that said, and this is for you and Chris, I mean, will Pedro be back next year? Is that still being evaluated? or? Chris's call. That'll be Chris's call. When you get a chance to talk to him, you can ask him that question. Okay. What are your expectations in terms of how quickly it can go from a nightmare that you've had this year to what you want it to be? Well, I, I don't want to make predictions, but in this division and with the core of talent that we have, I would hope and I expect that it'll get, the next year will be a lot better than this year. But, you know, how much better? I don't know. But you, you look, look at the core of this team. And, 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 if, and if we can get them all on the field, and, you know, and one, one of the things that we're, we're doing this year, it's a little different. You know, every year we send players home with, with a plan. This is what you got to do. What we're going to add this year is we're going to police these plans. We're going to make sure that the players are following their plans. So when they come to spring training, they're, they're, they're ready. We're not going to take their word that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So you know, given the division and given that we have a, a really good core of players, I would expect next year will be better. Are you going to be committed to uh, spending what it needs to be spent for pitching that you don't have in the organization? Well, you know, we've already spent a lot, we spent a lot of money this year. People talk about why won't the White Sox spend? I think we had a payroll of 185 million dollars this year. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we will we'll do what Chris thinks that we ought to do that that will make us better. I mean, look, we're not going to be in the Otani. Race, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I'll tell you that, but uh, and we're not going to, you know, and we're not going to sign pitchers to ten-year deals. But we're going to try to get better, and that means trades. It potentially means free agents. It means playing, you know, smarter baseball. It means a lot of things. So we're going to, you know, I don't have a lot of time left. I don't want to. I don't want to go through a long rebuild. I only expect to be here another ten years. And I want to. You said that 10 years ago. I know. <laughs> it's, uh, so, so there's no rebuild. This is hmm? kind of, there's no rebuild. This is you're I, just going to try to well, add what you got. Well, you know, everybody talks about when you build a building, the foundation comes first. We've got a foundation here. So uh, we're, we're not going to take the guys that we have now and just clean out and start over again. We're definitely not going to do that. You felt the need to make a change folks from the outside see that Chris has been here the last seven years. What about him makes this a change from, from the guys who were previously in his, in his spot? Well, he, he has his own ideas about what, you know, what, needs, to, what needs to be done. Uh, Chris has been responsible for the minor leagues. He hasn't been responsible for the major leagues. And, 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 and by the way, his job invo involved taking players who were handed to him and making them better. He had no responsibility in acquiring the players that he had to work with. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's been kind of quiet, but we made, we made a change in the scouting director a few years ago because we felt that we weren't, you know, we weren't through the draft. We weren't getting the players that we wanted to get. We made a change a few years ago. Those players that have been coming in under this new scouting director are an awful lot better than we'd seen in the, in the past, but, but they're at lo they're at, that, most of them are at lower levels, although I think we have some... We have some pretty good stuff at you know at, at, at the upper levels that are not that far away, but I, I you know I heard on some telecast or podcast or something that I inadvertently watched that the, you know, the White Sox farm system wasn't ra highly rated. First of all, we have produced a lot of players to the big leagues that came through the farm system. I mean, so. Y y y 
that's one way that you that, you know you evaluate a farm system is is it has it been producing has it been producing players and it has but but the quality of players that have come in in the last few years are pretty darn good and uh, you know so I, I think the the future looks good. Here is it about the way you mentioned that you like what you've seen in the farm system the way that things are being done what are some of those things that that you that you like or are impressed well by? what I like is players are being taught how to play baseball how to play how to play baseball you know one of my favorite players over the, you know, over the last 10 or 20 years was David Eckstein David Eckstein couldn't run he couldn't hit he couldn't throw he couldn't field there's only one thing that he ever did and that was beat you and that's what we're trying to develop in the, in the minor leagues and I stole that from Brad Tricky. He said that about Eddie Stanky. But, 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 but that's, that, that's what we're looking for. Players who, who don't beat themselves, who don't beat themselves, who get the most out of their ability and let the other team beat themselves. And what Chris has been doing over the last seven years in the minor leagues is educating players as to what to do. What do you do? You know, when you're, when you're out there in the field, at third base, what, what, what should be going through your mind? What am I going to do if the ball hit to me? What am I going to do if the ball hit to my left? What am I going to do if the ball hit to my right? What's, what am I going to do if the ball hit directly to me? When you watch baseball games, you see very few players, you can tell, are, are doing that, that they're thinking about that. Well, he's been teaching that kind of stuff. He's been teaching uh, uh, players who are on first base to be looking at the outfielders and seeing where they're playing, to know what their arms are. That's, that's the type of thing, to play smart. It's good to see uh, Tony's healthy, obviously. Um, what is his involvement, if any, in the organization right now? I'm glad you brought up Tony LaRusso. I am so sick and tired of reading that bringing Tony LaRusso back was a mistake. Tony LaRusso came back in 2021. Does anybody know what we did in 2021? Does anybody remember we won 93 games? We won the, the division by 13 games? Well, was that a mistake to bring Tony LaRusso back? Last year he was sick. The man had a heart problem. He had cancer. I mean, you didn't see the Tony LaRusso last year that we saw before that. Remember, this guy has won as a manager more games than any other manager in the history of baseball who had an over 500 record. Connie Mack had won more games, but he also lost more games than anybody. And he was the owner of the team. He was like me. He couldn't be fired. But so, so, so I, I, I reject the idea that it was a mistake to bring Tony LaRusso back. We won a division with Tony LaRusso. Now, with respect to this involvement, Tony had nothing to do with the decision to fire Rick or Kenny. Not once did he ever say to me, you ought to get rid of these guys. Now, I did ask him, as I asked a lot of other people, give me some names. You know, give me some names as I was, as I was building my, my list. But Tony wasn't... A, he, he, the, the only way Tony found out that Chris was going to be the manager was I told him. He was not, a, he was not involved in the process. Now, going forward, to, Tony has, will not have any decision-making authority in the organization. But he's a tremendous asset. He's a tremendous asset. So if Chris wants to talk to him or Pedro wants to talk to him, they can talk to him. If they don't want to talk to him, they don't have to talk to him. To him, they, or, or or if they do talk to him and he makes a suggestion, they can follow it or they cannot follow it, whatever they want. But it would be stupid not to have this man available to Pedro and to and to Chris if he's willing to be available, and he is. 
You've always said don't make a tough decision unless you really have to mm -hmm. and think it out. At what point uh, did you get to that uh, thinking on Kenny and Rick and was it a collective? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by collective. Collective. In other words, did you lose confidence in both at the same point? Well, I, I made the decision a couple of days before we announced it. But I, but I spent a month thinking about it and talking to people inside and outside the organization. And I considered, very, I considered you know, a variety of alternatives. And, you know, one alternative was to do nothing. Another was, was to keep Kenny and let Rick go. Another was to keep Rick and let Kenny go. And another was to let them both go. And I came to the conclusion that it would be better to let, you know, to let them both go and have, and have a fresh start. Was the dual decision-making process a problem there? I mean, they seemed to work decently together, but was that a problem that you saw in the Well, I think they worked decently together. I believe, and I did believe, I still believe, that if I had kept them in place, that they had the capability to rebuild the organization. But one of the things that a number of people told me was that you may believe that, but the record's the record. And, you got, and, and, and I was urged to make a decision by quite a number of people just based on the record. I, I still think they could have brought it back, but all right, the record's the record, and the best thing to do is to, to, you know, to, to start fresh. Although it's not a complete fresh, because we still have an awful lot of people that are here that I expect that you know, Chris will keep and some that he will not keep. Do more uh, resources need to be devoted to farm system and player development and scouting and all the things that are available now to to minor league operations. Do you I don't think that? there's anything any resources that are not available to them. Chris Chris may Chris has had sole responsibility for who works in the minor leagues, so it'll be up to him if he wants to tinker with it. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing we we should be doing though is you know there were a lot of scouts that were let go over the last few years by organizations that are analytics driven. And we ought to take a look and see if there's if there's some gems out there that we could add to our scouting staff. Uh, since uh, I can switch gears for a minute, there was an article that came out recently about the future of this ballpark, about whether or not you guys will stay beyond the beyond the lease. Uh, can you add anything about what your perspective is? I know there's still another six years or something well, left on it. First of all, somebody at Cranes decided that he wanted to write. That the White that the, you're looking at the Bears that the White Sox lease, you know, has six or seven years left to go, and the White Sox have some options, and they might move out of the city, they might move out of town, they might go to Nashville. That wasn't us. That was our guy at Cranes. Now, I, ever since the article came out, well, I've been reading about that. I've been threatening to move the team to Nashville. I mean, that, that article didn't come from me, but it's obvious if we have six years left, I think that's what it is. We got to decide. Are we, you know. What's what's the future going to be, and you know we'll we'll, we'll 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 get to it. But I've never I've never threatened to move out. We we haven't even begun to have uh, discussions with the sports authority, which we'll have to do soon. You've uh, you you said forty three years in baseball. I think you just yeah. said so. You've seen good, middle, and bad during that time. Yeah. What is your reaction to some of the fan reaction to you and the team this year? Well, if I were a fan, I'd be pissed. I'd be very angry. Uh, but, but at the same time, this is the first really, really bad year. We won the division in, in 21. We were 500 last year. That's nobody's goal to be 500, but but that that's still average. This is the first disaster. 
this is the first real disaster. Uh, but if I were a fan, I, I would not be happy. I have a hard time watching these games. There are some nights, there are some nights when I, I don't even watch the game. I record it, and then if we win, I watch it. I mean, so because I think first and foremost, I'm a fan. I didn't get into this game to make money. I got into it because I love baseball. It was in my blood. You know, I remember I've been, as I said, I've been watching baseball since 1946. I was at Ebbets Field when Jackie Robinson played his first game for the Dodgers. And no, this is a lousy, horrible year, and the fans have a right to be upset. But hopefully, they'll give us they'll give us some time, and and, and, we, and you know, I think we'll make it better. Do you have any different perspective on wanting to win than you did when you walked into your offices across the street in uh, 1981? I didn't have an office across the street. There was no room for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably is more of an urgency, but. But you know, when Eddie and I came in in 1981, you know, what, we, what were we? We were two fans who thought that we knew more than the people who were running the team knew. You know, the, the, and then and then in our, you know, we, we, in, ni- in 1980 the team was 70 and 90. We get here in 81, and, and even with the strike, we went, we're over 500. Then we won 87 games in 82. We won 99 games in 83. We won the division. We thought, hey, this is easy. You know, we're, we're, we're two smart guys. And, but I remember Jerry Kuzman telling me, enjoy the moment, they're few and far between. And it never dawned on me it'd be another 10 years before we got back to the playoffs. But obviously, uh, since I'm older, I feel more of a sense of urgency. But, but, but I wanted to win from the first day. I mean, if you ever watch, watch if you ever sat with me during a game, you know, you'd see somebody that, that wants to win, even with 30 games under 500, I still want to win the games. You, I mean, I can tell, I guess, I mean, I think I know the answer to this with your passion for baseball, but like, did you ever watch this year and think this is so frustrating? I'm just getting, I'm going to go do something else with the, you know, the, you know, the last few last years of my life, and like go do something more. Did you ever think about getting out, selling? Okay, I'm going to couch this so, so nobody writes that I thought of selling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> friends of mine have said, "Why don't you sell? Why don't you get out?" And my answer always has been. I like what I'm doing, as bad as it is. And what else would I do? I'm a boring guy. I don't play golf. I don't play bridge. What else would I do? And, and, I, and I want to make it better. I want to make it better before I go. How many changes do you think need to happen on the field for you guys to be better next year? Yeah, that's, that's up to Chris. But it doesn't strike me that there's a lot. I think, I think we'll get better internally. I think we got a better clubhouse. I think, I think the, some of the problems that we had in the clubhouse with some players that we, that we brought in contributed to it. Uh, but I, I think, there, there's, look, look, it looks like Wakata may be coming back to what he was. Andrew Vaughn's only going to get better. I, I, I think we have a good core. Chris can build on it, but you can ask him. I'm not. Uh, those aren't my decisions. So you said this in the press release. Chris will have full autonomy in the. Except when it comes to spending money. <laughs> that's enough. So full of but, that doesn't, but every owner reserves that right. right. Yeah. Every owner reserves that right. So no Otani. No Otani. No Otani. That's absurd. Uh, but but, but uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. I feel like Mitch McConnell. But, uh, <laughs> How about we go one more for Jerry and then we can get you guys back. Do you expect you know? to uh, pick up Tim's contract and to be your shortstop? That's, that's his decision. Says this is. Fine, just one more. You when you talk to um, when you talk to Chris in the press release, it was very point saying about a single decision maker. Have you changed your thoughts and process in terms of what a front office should look like in this game in terms of 
like the setup and everything? Well, you, you change your mind, you know, over the years as th th things evolve. I think we had a great combination in, 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 in Rick and Kenny. Uh, but I think that Chris, Chris's skills embody the skills of both of them. Uh, Kenny, Kenny I, was a great talent evaluator. Chris's, uh, Rick's skills were negotiating contracts and uh, dealing with the media and uh, stuff like that. I, my feeling is he can, he's got both those skills. Can you just, uh, your message to the fans, what would that be? If you're sitting at a bar in the, in the area having a drink with one, what would your message be to the guy? Drinking a Perrier? No. <laughs> my message is we're going to do everything in our power to get back to where we want to get to. That's, that's, that's the message. Hey, if, if we don't succeed, it, it won't be for a lack of trying. I mean, nobody likes, nobody wants to be bad. We, we got to get better. All right. So that was something. Uh, I was really in, uh, you know, I had my whole, I, I, I was, I guess I'm tongue-tied now, but I, I, I was really frustrated, wanted Jerry Reinsdorf to speak, and man, I'm so glad we got that. That was 25 minutes of a lot of revealing stuff. Um, we'll talk about it in just a second. We're going to get your reactions uh, from the chat. We got uh, super chats, and we got over 185 people watching. So uh, make sure to uh, hit the thumbs up button. Uh, we do appreciate everyone uh, hanging out with us, and we're going to have Chris Getzound in a second. Uh, Maddie Rice, though, uh, started off uh, with a $10 super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd happily punt on 2024 if it meant for a much more qualified uh candidate was hired uh this was all about the energy he wanted to invest in hiring an outside voice to slap in the face to all white Sox fans and then he followed up uh and i believe that comment was to jerry saying i owe it to the fans for you know uh, to have this go as quick as possible. Uh, but Matt follows up. The fact that he said, this is the re first really bad year. Um, I want to break this damn phone, sell the team already. I also scoffed at that, and you were like, well, this is the first time it was non-intentional um, that they've <laughs> that they've Hindenburged. Uh, but, you know, four of the last ten seasons have had, uh, you know, four of the worst, uh, of, uh, four of the worst seasons in, in uh, franchise history. But, uh, Herb, what would you make of all that? In that comment he's talking about, he wants to do it for the fans quickly, that, no, he's selfish. Because you saw, heard later, he's like, I don't have a lot of time here. He's doing it for himself, not doing the right thing. What is the thing I always harp on, Sean and Vinny? What's the phrase I go back to every single day? Process over results. Thank you. Process. The process of this was flawed. So the results, they might end up being favorable and that's what 2021 was the process to hire Tony Rusa was flawed the results were good in 2021 so he brings it up this is another flawed process where he didn't interview anybody outside the organization the whole damn organization he interviewed one person goddamn Chris Getz who doesn't know how to do the job he's working on and now he's the the, the mouse that has to eat the cat doing a job that he he has never done. He's never done contract negotiations. He's never acquired talent. He's never traded a player. He's got to do all this stuff as the GM. So you're going to have this guy as your new guy. So this stuff is selfish. This is what I think about, Jerry. All these moves are selfish moves. They're not because of you. They're not for the fans. They're because of him. He's 87. He wants to see something done before. He has. He doesn't want to bring anybody in from the outside because it'll take a year. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be when a game when a team's 30 games under 500. 
You're supposed to clear out everybody who participated in the team that sucks. The team that went 81 and 81 last year, which was a disappointment. I don't care what he says, this being the only disaster year. Last year was a disaster. And then when that team is worse than that than this team. Much worse. Much worse. Everybody must go and get an outside voice to clean up everything that has been wrong with this team. The reason he doesn't want to do that, it'll take time. You'll get honest answers. It'll take money. All the stuff that he doesn't want to do. And so this man is doing this for himself. Chris has given them the right answers, and apparently he's the first farm director that's ever taught baseball to the White Sox. That's, that's fucking weird. But, yeah, it's illuminating. You, saw, you heard exactly what you thought that Jerry was. And my takeaway is Jerry is selfish, and he wants to do things his way, and hiring a guy that's not qualified for the job, and we saw the Kush presser, and we'll have a little piece of it a little later. Nothing there. And, and winning the press conference is not important. But he didn't instill any type of confidence in me or you as a White Sox fan after hearing him talk. But this just makes me matter because Jerry is very selfish. And he, it comes off and people will write, oh, he just wants to win. He just wants to win. No, he doesn't. He wants to win his way. He wants to win the terrible way. And his process is flawed. So the results, we'll be going through this until Chris Getz finally fire, uh, get, leads this uh, team. Jerry doesn't have this team anymore. Something because this is the same thing. It's the, the results are going to be bad because the process was flawed from the beginning. And he didn't, the fact that he didn't hire or even talk to a minority candidate, I don't care what his record was, is galling. It's dumb as hell. As a guy that has that record in his past, he's living on that, hey, I have a black friend or I married a, a black person, so I'm not racist type of bullshit. He needs to adhere to the damn rules and see if he can hire a minority candidate. See if there's a person out there that can get a job. And maybe that person doesn't get the job. But at least that person has the experience of the fucking interview. And sorry I'm swearing people who, are, who care about me swearing, but fuck, I'm mad. Because Jerry Reinsdorf is a selfish person that wants to do for what Jerry Reinsdorf wants to do. And he's packaging it in the thing that says, I'm doing this for you fans. You guys should be happy type of bullshit. He's terrible. Just absolutely terrible. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I have to follow that up? Well, I mean, you want, you want to take a break? Here's what I'll say. I, me and Herb have very different roles on this show. Mm-hmm. Herb is mad, and he is speaking from an emotional place. I am, do not care if the team wins or loses every game they play. Um, I would find a way to say a lot of the things that you just said, Herb, though, mm-hmm. in, in a, in a down-the-line way. Because I, I do gather after today that Jerry is dedicated to doing things the way he wants to do them. Um, I mean, just compare and contrast some of the things that he said with what we know the, and I'll even call them trends. I won't say they're the only way to make baseball work in 2023, but the trends, right? What did Rick Hahn, what would you what did you slam Rick Hahn for saying over and over again the last few years? Ball go far, team go far, right? Because the trend in baseball and all the data says you hit a bunch of home runs, you win. And Jerry Reinsdorf today said in in so many words that he would be thrilled if he had a team full of David Ecksteins. And Again, that's fine. Maybe a team full of David Ecksteins would win the World Series. I don't know. That's I'll what, go to MLB 2006 and find out. That's what the video game is for. But the point, be, the point being that that is not a way, 
that a lot of baseball people would think. They would not want think in that way. And listen, Jerry's smart enough to know that you need a, a bit of a, a varied team, a balanced team. What did the guy he just hired stand up and say today? He wants the team to be more balanced, right? So, um, but... Yeah, there's, you know, what, what was the narrative around Jerry for the longest time before Rick launched the rebuild, right? That the idea was that the White Sox wanted to um, sign some free agents so they could compete that Every year, year, right? Yep. Make themselves better that year. Mm-hmm. And the, radic- the radical thing that, that Rick did when he launched the, re- the rebuild was, let's do what some of these other teams across the game are doing. It might mean there's a few years where it's, where it's not a competitive team, but that's the way that we've seen other teams reach the goal of winning the World Series or reach the goal of being a, a World Series contender on an annual basis, if you take the example of the Houston Astros, right, For, to just name one. Um, and now we're hearing Jerry say, that the main driving factor, one of the two, one, he was impressed with what Getz was doing in his job. He was impressed with it. You don't have to be. Mm-hmm. But uh, one, the other driving factor of this hiring decision was speed. Was, we th- I think Chris Getz is the guy because I think he can get, get there the fastest, right? <laughs> have this team compete in 2024 as fast as possible. It is up to anybody's, it is up to anybody's opinion whether you think that that's actually possible with this roster. If you are saying to me that, though, that a team that is currently about 30 games under 500 is going to just be fixed like that, that would seem, that would seem difficult to do. And, uh, I'm, I, again, I, I think there would be plenty of fans who, if they heard that another rebuild was being launched, would be just as mad as all the fans who are upset that there is no other rebuild being launched, right? Because people don't like to sit and watch a team lose 90 games. But the things, the things that – there was nothing today – there are very few things that Jerry said today that's going to make anybody, any White Sox fan happy. And I think that a lot of the things that you, you guys and everybody watching were mad about, you now, he is, he is basically standing his ground on those things and saying, yeah, that's right. That's what you think. That is what I think. What you think I think, that is what I think. And I'm happy to think that. And it's his team, so he can do whatever he wants. But that's what he's saying. And so if you, if you thought he was out there to try and smooth over any concerns that you might have had about the way that he does things. That was not what he was out to do today. My brain is smoother for having to listen to it. <laughs> I, 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 that's for sure. I, I don't know if any of my feelings about this uh, were, were calmed down, but they were definitely, uh, as you said, uh, kind of cemented. You know, it's, it is interesting to be like, I think Jerry Reinsdorf thinks like this. I mean, he's like, yeah, you know, I want all of these guys to basically be a player who can't hit the ball. We have to teach how to field. We have to teach how to run the bases, but man, he's going to learn, you know, he just wants a bunch of learners in the White Sox organization, a bunch of David Eckstein's like it, it's just ridiculous. And it, it's laughable. And I'm glad that him and Tony LaRusso can yuck it up about David Eckstein. And all Eddie day. Stanky and <laughs> shit like that. Yes, and Branch Jackie Ricky Robinson. and Jackie Robinson. <laughs> You can tell where his brain's at. <laughs> David Eckstein, the only player to play uh, before he was an owner that he mentioned. Right? To play since he's been an owner. Yeah, since yes, he's yes, been since an owner. Been owner. Because yes. he, he brought up Tony, but Tony played before, before he was an owner. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we got more thoughts on this. I uh, want to let you know about our friends over at Ray Auto. Are you in the market for a new or used vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you because Ray Chevy in Fox Lake has just joined the CHGO team, and we were talking with the Ray team when we uh, – signed on with them. We just did uh, their great uh, 
August event, um, and they have this pledge called the Ray Price Promise. It's a guarantee that the price you see online is the price you pay when you go into the dealership. We found that in many cases, other dealers will raise the price on you when you come into the dealership. They'll probably make you bargain a bit too, see how how much you know about the car game. Usually my grandpa just goes in, uh, does it for me. He's a very intimidating Irishman who no one can understand, and they uh, are like, oh, you know, whatever, you can have the car. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you'll probably go on an online uh, store website. I don't know. I sound like Jerry Reinstorf. This is my Mitch McConnell moment. Um, but you'll probably go online and they'll go and then you'll go into the dealership and say, hey, I found this uh, price. And they will start asking you questions like, are you a recent college grad? Are you active in the military? Are you a farmer? And in most cases, the answer will be no. And that's when other dealers will raise the price on you, saying the price online included limited rebates that you do not qualify at Ray. That is not the uh, case. The price you see online is the price you pay with no add-ons to the price ever. And in fact, Ray will do everything possible to find additional savings for you, which may make the price lower than what you see online as the as one of the top selling dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and save big at Ray Chevy because they now have over 100 Chevy Trax models available starting at $21,495. And now through September 30th, all buyers can qualify for 0% financing, make zero payments until 2024, plus put no money down. And best of all, you'll pay zero hidden fees with the Ray Price Promise. So visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com. Serving the community since 1963, find new roads. Also want to let you know about our friends over at Goose Island. Herb, what you drinking? 312 from Goose Island. Is that your favorite Goose Island beer? Mm, no, you know, it's, it's mine. It's one of them. It's, it's yours? Yes. Yeah, I'm more the Matilda guy Yeah, yeah. If since I got a taste of it. If we were over at the, what was it, the tap room, you'd, oh, you'd get a Matilda? I would get the Matilda or the Paloma they have out there. That was delicious tequila, it's, uh, tinge beer. And you're a 312 I'm um, 312 thick and thin, but I do like the Sophie as well. Ooh, the Sophie's yeah, good. The Sophie's a little Sasson. Yeah. Um, can we get a honk from for Sir, Sir Goosington? <laughs> Thank you. Sir uh, Goosington? <laughs> CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. Vinny would love to crack open a 312 wheat ale right now. You can go and find... Maybe later. The, the Goose Island IPA. You could go find the Tropical Beer Hugs because summer is still around. It's Let me correct that. Not maybe later. Definitely later. Definitely later. Uh, <laughs> they also got the full pocket pills. Uh, so grab an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island's original brew house on Clydeborn Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer. All right, Vinny, what uh, Jerry Reinsdorf quote made you want to drink most? Sorry, that was you gave me too much of a. Again, uh, I was happy to finally hear from the guy. No, that was great. Um, <laughs> uh, the best thing, and I just, it, 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 there's a lot of quotes that made me laugh. Um, there were, one was, I guess, con- concerning, and one was truly funny. Uh, the quote where he says, we won't sign Shohei, we won't sign a pitcher to a 10-year deal, just, again, they're never going to go over the top. And what I realized when hearing that is, how is Chris Getz, who you're going to see later was in his communion best, was in his you know best suit that he's ever had, thanking his mom and dad up there. Um, how is that guy going to walk into Jerry Reinsdorf's office and convince him to sign a player over $100 million? Because in Jerry Reinsdorf's mind, that $100 million is Shohei Otani, is a player you know that is a tenured um, pitcher, right? Like It's a place they've never gone, a place the A's have never gone, the Royals have never gone. Rick Hahn wasn't able to convince him. His own son, Kenny Williams, wasn't able to convince him. So how is Chris Getz, the 40-year-old, fresh new kid on the street, 
going to walk into Jerry Reinsdorf's office and convince that man who's set in his ways to go out and spend. I know exactly to, how to, I was going to say it. To excel this team, to put the brick on the gas pedal and just drive as straight as you can to the AL Central title in 2024. He's going to say, hey, this is, a, this is Eddie Stanky part two. <laughs> Put, give me a bunch of money. I'll get Eddie Stinky in here. He'll do all the things that you wanted him to do. Or I don't know why the pitcher. I don't think he's gone over four years for a pitcher and as far as a free agent contract uh, to sign a, a pitcher. Like, I think John Danks got a four-year, $50 million deal. Dallas, Dallas got, yeah. what, th- what, three years? I thought Dallas had four. No, uh-huh. I don't think but he was only here for three. Yeah, I think it's three and a fourth. I like, think oh, the, was optional. the fourth option. was like, yeah, a f- You're fake right. year. And it's so optional. it's like. It's going to be hard. All the top pitchers in the free agent market are going to want four to five, if not more, years on their contract. And so if we're not dealing with how baseball is played and how the free agent market is played, then we're still back in 2005. We're still back in 1981 when he took over the team with Eddie Einhorn, another dead person. Rest in peace, Eddie Einhorn. But, like, how many people is he going to mention that don't have anything to do with current baseball nowadays and Chris Getz remember hasn't done any of this he's learning on the job and he might want a player but how is he going to acquire these players are these players going to want to come here for a play for a guy who doesn't know what he's doing for a team that has a bad culture for a clubhouse that doesn't know what it's doing there's a lot of things wrong with this team and we're putting a lot of undue pressure on the first year guy who just turned 40 yesterday to fix it within a year. And Jerry's doing it. He's saying, if I brought a dude from the outside, that would take a year. So, Chris, get your shit together right now, and we better win next year because it's a garbage AL Central. We have a chance. But remember, we're 30 games below 500. The top team is like seven games over 500. So it's going to be a while until we get at least up to the 500 level. And then, at that point, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if Chris Gretz has the wherewithal or the skill to make a trade at the trade deadline next year because he has not done it. That's one of the big problems that I have with the hire is the inexperience of the person you're bringing in to fix a broken franchise and a broken baseball club. I mean, listen, that was the part certainly that jumped out when it talk, when you talk about what should we expect from this team this offseason because the way that I build my uh, assessment of the offseason is by what? The general manager tells us that they're trying to do in the upcoming offseason, right? Um, so when Rick Hahn would, would t- talk to us at the end of the year or talk to us at the general manager's meeting, that is the book you use to judge what they do, what he did moving forward. Chris Getz is going to have that moment. You would have to imagine that given that this is a month away from the end of the season, he will have his end-of-the-season press conference. He will obviously talk at the GM meetings. So there's that, but now we also have a little bit from Jerry Reinsdorf as well, right? The, the whole budget thing. He's going out there talking about how the the hundred eighty million dollars they spent this year was a big 185. number. One hundred eighty five. But he was talking about it as if it was a big number, right? Yep. And so it, it is Don't relative. To, it is relative to the White Sox, mm-hmm. but it is not necessarily a big number relative to the rest of Major League Baseball and what they're spending on an annual basis. So when we look at what free agents can they get, will they be in on this guy? Will they be in on that guy? You've got the owner who said in this media session that he's going to control the decision-making on spending, obviously, which he should, but uh, you've got him saying that, oh, well, we're not going to be on this guy. We're not going to give out this kind of contract. It's another um, level that we can use to talk about this offseason when it comes and figure out what they can do. 
Jerry said that he thinks that there can be a lot of internal improvement. He thinks that this core, he believes in this core. He's bringing up Moncada, bringing up Vaughn. He talks about the foundation of the house being there. He likes the talent that they have on the team. A lot of these guys have played very, very poorly this season. And they, not only that, but they have had trouble staying healthy. So do we expect them to be mostly, I mean, we, we pretty much do expect them to be mostly in place as we did weeks ago because yep. we know what the contract situation is like with mm-hmm. a lot of these guys. But here we go, a, a lot of insight into what next year is going to look like already just from hearing from Jerry Reinsdorf. And I, I, someone in the comments, and not to take it to this place, but uh, they, they brought it to a bleak place, but uh, and it, they brought up uh, words, if you want to search it, Stephen. Um, but... I don't want it to be in this place. Larry said it. Uh, one name, Rocky Wirtz. That's unfortunately what we're waiting for. Sorry to be dark. Um, but it seemed like that was the tone that Jerry said. I don't have a lot of time left. We got to do this as fast as possible because I owe it to the fans. Because, you know, he said he's going to be here for 10 more years, I think. Um, which he said is, he so it's a line of his. If, if, you, yeah. if you're familiar with all the lines that Hawk Harrelson says over and over again, you see where he gets it because Jerry <laughs> has some lines that he likes to stick to, too, apparently. And, hey, you know, I mean, I don't think he's, you know, <laughs> it's just it, it's a very unfortunate place because no one should ever be rooting for that. No, no. one, no, No one should ever be thinking, I want this person to die yeah but well then like, don't don't yeah. no, i know i'm not saying but like I, I mean that is some fans that are just saying like oh well if this is the way that jerry reinsdorf is going to run his team the only way that he's going to change it is if he stops running the team like so he's either going to sell and what he said to that was friends of mine have always said why don't you sell why don't you get out my answer has always been i like what i'm doing as bad as it is and what else would i do i'm a boring guy i don't play golf i don't play bridge and i want to make it better before i go like i he, li- so, he, like, so, he likes owning but, a baseball team, and he's got enough money to do it. But yeah. that's the thing is, like, we saw in this division with Mike Illich when it comes to that quote, except when it comes to spending money, but every owner reserves that right. If he's going to do this, if he wants to do it as fast as he possibly can, he has to put all the money that is necessary. Well, that's the way to do it as fast as you possibly can. Yeah, the, but yeah. you're, I but, mean, it's obviously with, with parameters, right? Yeah, and so because he doesn't want to go get Shohei Otani. No, right. But that's the thing is like his his thinking he's, is illogical. He's I'm, I'm going to himself. limit my spending. I want to do it as fast as we can, but I'm going to try to do it by threading the needle with a brand new GM with a lower budget than in 2022. He he funnily enough brought up that it was at 185 million dollars. He did not bring up that it's 15 million dollars less than the year prior when they were 81 and 81. Um, hey, also didn't bring up the budget of the 93 win team. Um, which was lower than 185. Like it's more about how you're actually doing the process and what Jerry feels. It feels like what Jerry's line has always been, or with you know these teams, is let's throw money at the problem until it goes away. Let's throw money at Melky and Jeff Samarja until it goes away. Yeah, but that's and then let's take money, it back. Though. And then I know, I know, but it is little money. Yeah. But like, let's throw our parameter money at the problem until it goes away. Let's throw our money at Dallas Keuchel and Yasmani Grandal until Good it goes signs. away. But not. I thought it was a good signing. Yeah, at the time it was a good signing. Like and then I, they both proved to be not good. not good. <laughs> but I judged the signings at the time of the deal and seeing what the deal ages out. And at both of those deals, I was like, those are good signings. They were, you know, the top catcher in the market. I think at that time, and Keiko was a pitcher who had a bad year that year because of uh, sitting out for a pr- prolonged amount of time. And then he had a actually good twenty twenty. Um, and you know, almost threw a no hitter the other day, but I'm just saying like he wants to win before he leaves, but he doesn't want to throw the necessary money at the problem 
to get the winning that he wants to get before he leaves. It's an old play that I watched when I was in high school. It says, you can't take it with you. You cannot take that money with you to the grave, Jerry. And Michael has plenty of money. You're going to have a, a will. Throw some of this money at some of the players. Throw some of this money at the research and development. Throw some of this money at the scouting department. Do different. And if you've got a, a, a governor on how much money you're going to spend in the offseason and you specifically say that you're not going to be spending on the best player on the market, then you're not doing whatever it takes to win. You're not wanting to win at all. And you're giving your new GM parameters early before he even gets in the free agent market that he can't get Shohei Itani. Why in the fuck not? You should be all going for Shohei Itani. He's that damn good. He's the best hitter in baseball. You should be going for him. And, you know, he might not pitch in the near future, but damn it, it's a good investment to get the best player in baseball and to be in the, the sweepstakes to get him too. So, yeah, he wants to win, but he wants to win his way. Selfishly, only his way. And Chris says, hey, how about I go and get this $20 million guy? Nah, it's way too much for my money. Then you don't want to win. Then but, you don't want to win. And what he kept telling you guys was, it's Chris's call. I mean, that's, that's, a, lot, that's a, a lot of pressure on a 40-year-old just doing this for the first time. Well, I mean, I will say this. That's probably, you know, if you are, Herb, feeling the way you're feeling about the way Jerry Reinsdorf runs things, he gave you every reason to believe there, with, with a few exceptions that we have already talked about, that Chris Getz is going to be making these decisions. Like, it, it's not somebody looking over Chris's shoulder. Like, Chris has, Chris has the authority. Now, specific, there are specifics, again, that we talked about. He's not going to write him a blank check to go, uh, you know, get Mr. Burns' team of all-stars, but he's, going, but he's going to let Chris build this team, you know, try to fix the problem. Go ahead. Do, do what you want. You say, hey, it's your call whether the manager sticks around. He is, by the way. Yes. Hey, it's your call whether um, you want to bring somebody else in to, to help run the front office with you. He's he's giving him he's giving him the keys and so um, you know that's that's you gotta feel you gotta feel that way if you are frustrated by the way that Jerry and Rick and Kenny ran the team Chris there's somebody else running the team you might like not like who it is but there's somebody else yeah and but the thing is he contradicted himself in the the statement they released when they fired Kenny and Rick he said that Pedro will be coming back next year or. Bob, that was said, a report. Bob yeah. said he Pedro would be coming back. Correct. And Bob has been on everything. And now uh, Jerry's saying, well, that's, that's, uh, that's Chris's job. Is it? Well, but, but you know what else Bob reported that day? Mm -hmm. That Chris Getz was expected to be the GM. Yeah. I mean, it, sounds, it, sounds, it doesn't sound. Jerry explained it to us that Chris Getz had the job before Rick and Kenny were fired. Yeah, right? and it's not like the search lasted five days. He was thinking about this a month or so beforehand. It sounds like he decided that he was going to go with Chris Getz when he fired Rick and Kenny, right? He said, I did it on this day because I wanted to give Chris Getz as much time as possible to, to get, get in the job. Then, if that's the case, you don't, think they've already, you don't think they've already had a conversation about what to do with the manager spot? That, to me, would be disqualifying to put Chris as the general manager. Seeing this year, and I'm not a manager's don't matter guy, but what have you seen this year from Pedro Gafal? that says that man deserves another year. And well, if Chris is the evaluator of talent that Jerry thinks he is, then he's already got a strike against him because Pedro Gafal, for whatever he is, didn't take leadership initially when he got into the clubhouse. He deferred it to the players, and then they say, well, we've fixed those problems ever since. Where? Who? Name names. Who did you fix? 
I mean, was Lance Lynn the problem? Was Lucas Giolito the problem? Was Raylo the well, problem? Who was the problem? I, and how is the is the culture better now? And two days ago, he just said they're giving eighty percent. Yeah. So his his whole thing, and I'm that's the thing. Like I don't think Chris Getz is bold enough to ask Jerry for what he wants, or bold enough to know what he wants. He hasn't done the job. So what? How does he know he what he wants if he doesn't know? how to fix a baseball team, even though he's been seven years in the minor league system with terrible results. Before we get to Chris himself, there was one more quote from Jerry. We need to police our guys' plans in the offseason. It it does seem like that it was a two-headed snake with Jerry and Kenny, or with uh, Kenny Kenny and and uh, Rick. It feels like... The best plan of action was to just pick ahead, split that snake, and just cast off one and make one of those guys the senior vice president and general manager, whether it be Kenny, whether it be Rick Hunt. It would have been a better plan. I, I, I don't understand this direction. And now Chris gets, because apparently he knows these guys so well, will be able to police their offseason plans, something that either Rick or Kenny was not doing. I mean, I would think that Rick and Kenny believe that they have grown men on their team. And the minor league coordinator would teach all the players under his watch, hey, guys, we give you a plan to take to the offseason. Do it. And if you're not doing it, then I'm going to be on your ass. Those are the players that need to be policed, the the young players who are being developed, not the grown men who are playing Major League Baseball. And if you feel like you need to police and watch grown men in the offseason, then you got the wrong goddamn grown men. I, will, I can speak to that knowing that there is plenty of coaching involvement in the offseason. Like, I'm going to go ahead and assume that this is something that came up in Jerry's interviews that he did with people where this was pointed out as a problem with some guys. But we just spent the last winter talking about how Colas and Romy Gonzalez were working with the coaches on a daily basis. We just spent the winter talking about how um, – you know, Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech and Giolito were in were texting with Ethan Katz every single day, sending them videos of what they were doing. It's not like they were, it's not like the coaching staff just said, "All right, off season's here. Put the legs up and let's uh, let's let's turn it turn the phone off for the next however many months." I mean, there that might not have been an across the board hundred percent thing, and if that's the case, by all means, change it because you need to. But let's not pretend like these guys were sent off into the woods and said, hopefully you come back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, they were constantly talking with the coaching staff all, all offseason long. Let's not pretend like 2022 was normal, where they couldn't. Right. Like, I mean, like, right. I don't know. When is he upset about this? Like, saying that you know they weren't policing plans. Or well, and, maybe, and maybe some like, guys were slacking. You know what I mean? Maybe some, some guys were slacking, and that's fine, I, if that's the conclusion you've come to. But... And, and that's a, a thing that you want to emphasize is no more slacking in the offseason. But we know that some guys were not slacking because we heard from the people in charge, whether it was Rick or Pedro or, or Ethan, how, how impressive it was to work with these guys directly throughout the winter. And you can't – I say you can't force somebody to do what they don't want to do. If they're not those players, if they don't want to dedicate themselves to their craft – Policing them is not going to make them better at it. It's just going to make them do it as much as you want them to do it. I just think you got to get better players, and then when you get them in the building, say, hey, for your position and for what you want to do and what your goals are, this, that, and the other would be good for you to do. 
I'm not going to say what you need to do. What you should do is this. And I'll let you do your own thing because you're a grown man. Do your thing. But if you come back and you're not the player that we are, that we want you to be, that's on you. Look yourself in the mirror. I call in every day. Hey, Aloy, you working out? Hey, you working out? Hey, you working out? Hey, you doing this? Let them do their thing. It's their offseason. And if they don't have dedication to get the job done, then you got the wrong players. You got to have self-motivated players in the offseason. You can't just be watching them like a hawk just to actually just to make them do what you want them to do. Right. Well, and two, it doesn't guarantee anything. And the, the quote where he said, in this division with this core, I would hope and expect next year to be a lot better than this year if we can get them all on the field. It's a big if. That's the Kenny Big Williams. if. We've been saying that for, I don't know. Um, just stay healthy. Four years. Like, yeah, I think that was the whole goal, I mean, the whole wish. You could, you, could, you could very easily argue that the reason Rick and Kenny don't have their jobs anymore is because those guys couldn't stay healthy. You could very easily argue that if they stay healthy – this team's in a much different position. And they, Rick and Kenny could have listened to me in the offseason to trade an alloy away because you know we can't stay healthy. Oh, but I'm talking three years ago. Yeah. We've been talking, this has been the storyline for three years. Yeah, but yeah. once you got the <laughs> the pop of this two, 20, 000, uh, 20 and 22 year of alloy in the second half, you're like, man, somebody's out there wanting alloy. I can't wait for alloy to be hurt in 2023. I got to get value while value's on the table right now. And trade him away. You got to have some foresight about that. And those two guys didn't have it. And I don't know if Chris Getz will have it either. Trading guys when they're at their peak or at their highest level they're going to be at that time. You brought him up. Chris Getz. Let's hear from the man. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, and then we'll play uh, a little bit of Chris Getz, what he had to say. Um, and then we'll discuss uh, the new general manager of the White Sox and what their eighth active senior vice president. That was a vice president because they have a lot of vice presidents. Yeah, different departments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's Mm -hmm. take a break and let you know about our friends over at FOCO. Uh, That great Tim Anderson bobblehead in front of me uh, was uh, a a little gift from our friends over at FOCO to fill out our set. Um, Set decorations like the Tim Anderson one, the Southpaw one that's hiding over there were given to us uh, by our friends over at FOCO. So go show them some love at FOCO.com, F-O-C-O, or click the link in the description below. They can get you fitted out in the best sports gear around with hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. And since it is baseball season, you get Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game. And uh, since it's basically football season as well, uh, we got some nice Bears overalls in the FOCO store. So go check those out, Bears, uh, at FOCO.com, F-O-C-O, or click the link in the description below for online preset items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Next up is our friends over at Lewis University. Uh, make sure uh, Bed Check Charlie's uh, popping out and scaring all the friends. Um, students are just like you over at Lewis University. They have full-time jobs, families, and full-time sports fandoms. Go back to school to earn a respected degree at Lewis University. They have thir- uh, they're thirty-five. They're located thirty-five miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville, and they are ranked as one of U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges. And Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts and offers evening, online, and blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education. So, if you are looking to complete your bachelor's or master's bachelor's or master's degree or enroll in a professional certificate program, Lewis has the right programs for you. Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will set you up for success. Um, We always are proud to feature the aviation maintenance technology certificate. Um, You can also learn how to fly. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jay Zawoski, a a former flyer, confirmed this. Um, And also my uh, 
uh, lovely cousin Maggie. Maggie uh, didn't love her first choice uh, at her undergrad and finished her nursing degree um, over at Lewis. So discover how a degree from Lewis can help build you a better world. Learn more at lewisu.edu slash you can do this. lewisu.edu slash you can do this. All right. Um, are there, is there a super chat here, Stephen? Yeah, hey, we got one. Thank you, Bed Check Charlie, for making an appearance. Uh, Kirk with the super chat. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf is trying to duct tape this team because he knows he's out of the game soon, one way or another, headed towards more losing quickly. Hashtag sky points for Sox fans. Uh, let's get into who Jerry Reinsdorf hand-selected and really didn't waste too much time because uh, Chris Getz needs to get behind that driver's wheel immediately. Uh, the first person asking Chris Getz a question, the man in the blue shirt over there, Vinny Duber. Chris, you, uh, you said in your statement there that you are different. Um, obviously, fans can look at your resume and know where you've been the last few years. How would you say you are different from the, the folks who just uh, preceded you in this position? I mean, just, just like any leader uh, of an organization, you're, you're shaped by your experiences. And, you know, I'm a recent player, um, was an executive in uh, another organization, and obviously I've got my experiences here. You learn through those experiences, and that's going to uh, shape me as – shape me in the leadership style I'm going to have. Um, but I realize that uh, there is skepticism. I do. I am an internal hire. And I've got to, you know, bear that burden. And it's my job to go out there and prove otherwise. Given your role with the minor leagues and the kind of underperformance we've seen, why do you think you got this job? What makes you qualified to have this job running the entire organization? You know, I've been very proud with some of the, the players that have come up here and helped us win, going back to, to us winning a division a couple of years ago. Um, I have been managing the farm. Um, I think we've got a lot of good people. We've got a lot of quality players. And once again, I feel like my experience of knowing what's going on in this organization, I'll be able to go out there and fill the gaps quickly to get us back on track. Expect uh, major changes, minor changes. Do you think that this team can't compete next year with just a few changes, or how do you look at that? You know, certainly, I, I think I can address the elephant in the room that we are we do play in the AL Central. So, you know, every year, you know, it seems that the the division is up for grabs. With that being said, you know, we sit at 53 wins right now, so there is a gap to fill. Um, and we're going to look at different ways to improve this club. We're going to be creative with it. Um, we're not going to lose sight of our long-term goal of winning a World Series. But in the near term, once again, I look, look forward to sitting down with Pedro and learning what we have to do, building, going towards the, the offseason and getting ready for next year. Given the team expectation over the last couple of years and falling short, and it appears that the window is closing on this opportunity. Do you see the the only way to move forward is to go the free agent route and it's the funds there to go to free agent because it appears that the minor league system is not ready to lift this team up? We're going to look at, you know, every opportunity to improve this ball club. We've got some quality players on this club. Now, if that means that we need to look at ways to – to improve the depth in certain areas, we're going to do that. Um, fortunately, at the deadline, we were able to acquire some players to boost our farm system. Some of those players are at the upper level of the minor leagues. And then we need to go out and, and look where we need to supplement. Jerry's been very supportive through the years um, from the baseball operations, baseball office. Um, 
when we come to him and, and say that we need to do this or that, he's been very supportive. Um, but we're going to look at all of that stuff in the coming weeks and months. Uh, I know this is obviously day one for you. Jerry addressed it off the top. Uh, but in, as it relates to Friday's shooting incident, you got fans coming back tomorrow for a game. For those fans who may be concerned to come to the ballpark or have questions on how this was handled in terms of the information that has been released both from the White Sox and the Chicago Police Department, what do you say to those fans? You know, our, our security group and uh, the Chicago Police Department are communicating um, you know, the, there are still some questions that need to be answered, but I, I, I do want to say that our, our highest priority is the safety of our fans, our players, and their families. Uh, Chris, you talked about learning from your experiences, looking back at the situations with Omar Vizquel and Wes Helms. Is there anything you wish you would have done differently in those situations, and what have you learned from that experience? You know, those are personnel matters that um, certainly don't want to go too far in depth uh, and I will say that I was very proud with our organization and how it was handled. We, we have extent, extensive training, uh, both players and staff, um, to prevent issues from popping up from time to time. And when they do, they know how to act accordingly. And in those cases, they did. Uh, following up on my colleague's question about last Friday, um, the way the police handled this by not stopping the game, even though they had people shot inside and they didn't know what was going on. Uh, we understand the team was not informed uh, do you believe that police handle this properly and, and should they have stopped the game for the safety of everybody inside on Friday night? You know, it was clearly not a, an immediate threat to anyone. Um, obviously, the, there was time that needed to, to, to collect information and, and our security group and the CPD worked closely together uh, and operated the way that they did. And the questions are, the, the questions are still going to be answered. Chris, uh, do you anticipate uh, bringing in somebody, um, you know, Dayton's name has been mentioned, but somebody along those lines as a um, sort of an assistant or to fill that type of role alongside you? I'm certainly open to, to bringing in people that I feel like can be positive resources to our group. Um, I know some names have been thrown out there, um, and we haven't had those discussions yet, but certainly open-minded in terms of strengthening our group. Chris, you said Pedro had to wear a lot of hats this year. What do you mean by that? Like, what, is, what does that entail? Well, he's a first-year manager with our club, and certainly that means getting to know his players, um, getting his coaches comfortable here, um, and learning our front office, the operation throughout. And through that, you know, you certainly have to have conversations and experiences that you won't have in year two. And first and foremost, I think having me now in this position and having a consistent conversations, you know, throughout, throughout the days and, this, and, and as the season progresses, I'm going to be able to help him navigate a major league season. We appreciate everyone hanging out with us. We got over 200 people watching. Please make sure you're hitting to hit that thumbs up button. We're at Aloy Jimenez likes. Um, it would be cool to just break that scale. We, we there, there's a player that does not. There's no player that has ever worn a hundred. In baseball, that's true. So yeah. we can't we can't name a White Sox who name who wore a hundred. Well, we can Correct. get to Manny Ramirez though. No. <laughs> Manny Keenan, right? Keenan. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, so we could do ninety nine, but make sure we don't do a hundred. Um, what did you guys make of Chris Getz? I tried to make or show in that supercut. Seemed like a rough first day to just be thrown in as general manager, especially with all the topics that are surrounding 
Chris Getz and the White Sox, the shooting, you're replacing someone who drafted you, um, you're an internal hire. How did you, you know, think of Chris Getz's first day? This was a – Chris Getz got questions that deserve to be asked. That being said, they deserve to be asked of the situation. You know what I mean? Like, listen, Chris Getz is the general manager now. Part of your job is you got to take all these questions, so welcome in. But the point being that when a new general manager comes in, it is typically a day of positivity, a day of, look here, it's a new era. It's a, it, it, we're going in a different direction. This guy is, is going to get to work and, and turn things around, right? And all of that applies to Chris Getz. But given the situation, everything you just talked about, Chris Getz is being treated on day one of his job like Rick Hahn was being treated on the last day of his job. Rick Hahn got to a point where things did not work so spectacularly that he got fired. And any other person, particularly someone stepping in from outside the organization, would be treated a lot differently. But because of the situation, Chris Getz has to deal with fan anger, questions from the media that we did not have answers to. There's this ridiculous non-baseball situation with the shooting that's going on that Chris Getz, who was the farm director yesterday, has to start answering questions about. Um, it is the, the situation is entirely different than what any other person starting this job today would face. And I feel bad for Chris that the situation dictates that this is how this had to go for him, but the situation dictated that this is how this had to go for him today. Just to be fair, though, the general manager last Friday when the shooting happened was Chris Getz, right? He's acting general manager at that point. He's not just the I mean, farm I don't director. Know, I don't know if he ever received that title, but my point being that, you know. Or he's controlling the roster, My maybe. point being that the person who puts the roster together probably shouldn't be answering questions on that in the first place, and that's why last weekend we talked to the team spokesman about this sort of thing. I would think, personally, that if I were trying to get to the bottom of this, the person that I would be asking the questions toward would not be the guy who needs to make a decision on Tim Anderson's option for next year. <laughs> but... Those are the guys that are put in front of the microphone. I guess that's who the questions get directed toward. And this is the problem with hiring Chris Getz. He's a guy that is doesn't seem comfortable in front of the mic. He handled himself all right. But coming from a guy in Rick Hahn who was perfect for the media, he understood how to work the media. And I might not have liked it, but he gave you that good lawyer speak. And he understood how to give an answer without giving an answer. This was just... Eh. You know, not winning, winning the press conference is negligible. It doesn't matter. Pedro won the press conference. You saw all that went. So it won't necessarily lead to wins or losses for Chris Getz, but there was something that was just left to be desired for the guy who was taking over baseball operations for the White Sox. Not very charismatic. Not very, you know, uh, not those answers weren't the best. Just a lot of nothing answers, which he should give us. But, you know, Rick gave us those answers in a more – entertaining fashion where you know you can uh, swallow them that's why Kenny never spoke because Rick was actually good at it and Kenny told way too many truths right and I, I think that again I agree with you 100% Chris Getz just seemed out of his element and you know Rick Hahn was very very comfortable talking to you guys he was very very comfortable with that core and again I, I right now I'm just questioning why did both of them have to go? Because even when the Bulls made their separation of John Paxson and Gar Foreman, John Paxson is still a senior advisor with the Bulls. So, I mean, Kenny couldn't stay as a senior advisor to Chris Getz. Rick couldn't son stay as a, a senior advisor uh, to Chris Getz. Yeah, to sacrifice Getz. a son. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kenny. You only have <laughs> you don't have a father anymore. No more father. Sorry. <laughs> I gotta fire your ass. Poor guy. Um because Chris gets time. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't understand the the logic and the thinking. And man, it was great to hear Jerry Reinsdorf's logic and thinking today. So uh, it was I great believe to have that, that Jerry Reinsdorf believes that he is doing this for the fans. But from where I'm sitting, he's doing this for himself, a hundred percent. He's a selfish guy. Which, hey, if I was a billionaire and all the things have worked out in my life the way it had worked out for Jerry Reinsdorf, I would think that too. Like f everybody. My, my, all my actions have led me to be a billionaire who runs a baseball team and has got seven championships. So you can't tell me a goddamn thing. Yeah, and Chris didn't have a lot of great moments in there, but I did think when you asked him the question, like, you know, what makes you difference, a different, he did mention in there that he has to bear the burden of being the internal hire. Like, I mean, he, he is self-aware. And, uh, you know, hopefully this was just first-day jitters because I'd understand why you'd have them with all of that pressure and all of the per, uh, topics out there. Um, I don't think this is a great day to uh, great Chris, Chris Getz, but this day wasn't really about Chris Getz. It was about Jerry Reinsdorf. Um, two quick things that we want to get to, a uh, super chat, and then one question, uh, one thing from Jared. Uh, what about big – What so what big contracts have proven to work out correctly? And that's me talking about, you know, 10-year pitchers or signing Shohei Otani or going over $100 million. Um, at least since 2017, you look at the – Teams that won a championship. Houston last year, eighth in payroll. Atlanta uh, in 2021, 10th in payroll. Uh, COVID year, Dodgers were first in payroll. 2019, uh, the Nationals, seventh in payroll. 2018, Boston was first in payroll. And then the team that broke all the barriers, that broke uh, all the, you know, you don't have to spend. Uh, the Houston Astros were 17th in payroll, but there was a the whole thing that, uh, oh, yeah, they were cheating. Um, so I guess, you know, we could put asterisks against the 2018 and 2017. Uh, yeah, unless the White Sox Red are willing Sox to and cheat Astros. and or develop talent like Houston, then we're not going to get to the World Series. Yeah, and it only took them like 10 years to figure that out. So, you know, hey, they're going to try to go as fast as they can. Maybe they could do a 10-year plan and a five-year plan. That'd be good. Uh, we got one more super chat from uh, Big Cram, a $20 super chat. So thank you, Big Cram. Uh, give them a little Sir Goosington honk in the, the horn as well. Um, <laughs> Did Jerry say that they didn't do an external hire because it will take them a year to reevaluate the ball club? Newsflash, that's what we want, Jerry. God, this franchise is so frustrating. Another patchwork job incoming. Hit it on the head. Yep. Nail on the head. <laughs> nice timing there, Steven. Uh, I think most White Sox fans would have been like, ugh. But also, that's actually the right move. We need to do a rebuild, but not with the people who build, rebuilt the team before. They were brought somebody else. Even if they brought Chris Getz in and said, Chris Getz is doing the rebuild. I've been like, that's a bad plan, but at least it's a rebuild. At least we can try well, to build it I up mean, from the ground up. Isn't that what they the, did just without saying the word rebuild? No. He says we have a good foundation. So they just like piecemeal things together. Going to put a Band-Aid on a bleeding arm. They're delusional because they play in the AL Central because that's the elephant in the room. The AL Central is bad. Ugh. All right. And then, yeah, that's their aim, the AL Central, instead of <laughs> the top teams in the league. Yeah, instead of looking at the Dodgers, the, the Rays, yeah, the team goal, they just played yesterday, the Baltimore Orioles. Chris Getz says their goal is to win the World Series, but I guess to win the World Series, you got to make the playoffs first. So there you go. That's a good stepping stone. That is true. That's Vinny Duber. 
Follow him at Vinny Duber. He's the CHGO White Sox beat writer. He's got a brand new post uh, at allchgo.com um, about Chris Getz. Um, and, and there's also a couple more Luis Robert Jr.'s defense. Um, and, hey, uh, also an article about Mike Clevenger who went unclaimed. Uh, so uh, How did it take us uh, so, 70 minutes to bring that up? Well, uh, we'll talk about it. That uh, kind of day. Time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of day. Uh, 25 minutes of Jerry Reinsdorf audio will do it. And thank you for getting that. Uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Ecknerwall23 is our CHGO. White Sox community leader, and I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you, Steve Nicholas, for producing. And again, hit that thumbs up button on your way out. We'd love to get 100 likes uh, on the video, and uh, why not give it to us uh, when we uh, got Vinny Duber getting that great uh, Jerry Reinsdorf audio. So we'll talk to you on Sunday for Sox postgame. Bye.